0: Dave, how's it going? Good, good. I
1: didn't travel all week, so it was, it was really cool to see the Atomic release, the Roll Atomic uh, beta come out and uh, be able to play with it. So, And we'll talk about it later, but it was nice to be home and, and to be able to have a little time to, uh, to uh, try it out. Really exciting.
0: Oh, that's how, how are you doing? Yeah. I'm doing great. I also did not travel this week, uh, which was a delight. Um, got to spend time with uh, my beautiful wife, Uh, my ailing son who's working on a head cold. Um, so, uh, I spent, uh, spent a little bit of free time, uh, getting addicted to Trello. Have you, you've used Trello, right Dave? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a nice little tool. It is a nice little tool. Um, and so it it was funny. I was kind of organizing my stuff on my computer and uh, my wife walks over and she's like, Oh, what is that? I said, Oh, well, this is Trello. And I showed her about two minutes later, she would got herself an account and uh, now she's using it, too. Um, anyway, so if I've got a whole workflow around it now, which is actually now connected to Remember the Milk. I did a write-up on it. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. But I am super excited to have a new tool and a new workflow. I feel much more in control of what's going on. Um, hmm. I, I, it'll, <laughs> although only time will tell if that actually is going to make me more productive. Um, but uh, for now, I'm satisfied with just the illusion of productivity.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you need to wire it into like a, a reporting tool to... Yeah, measure measure the progress.
0: That is the last thing I need. I promise you that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, what are we talking about on the on the show today, Dave? Oh, this, we're,
1: well, we're talking. It's all about thinking. Mm. Um, so we're yeah. So we've got uh, computers that think, uh, computers that think they're thinking, and people that think computers are people. But
0: well, that sounds very exciting. That sounds mm-hmm. exciting. Um, so if I need to uh, diagram that sentence, uh, which website should I go
1: to? <laughs> yeah, they want to go to HTTPS dgshow.org. So, uh, D's and Dave, G's and Gunner, show.org.
0: And on the uh, cutting room floor, uh, we've got uh, cat math. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dave, I don't know what that is. What is cat math?
1: Um, It's it's just basically uh, mathematical notation using cats and boxes.
0: Well, it's like made for the internet. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, another thing made for the internet is uh, this uh, surveillance art. Uh, this uh, this small town turned over all of their closed circuit television cameras to an artist, uh, mm-hmm. who then uh, created uh, photographs out of uh, out of photos that he had captured. Um, pretty sweet. And uh, and also got a podcast recommendation, Dave. Um, mm-hmm. There's a the software defined. The Software Defined Talk podcast, um, mm-hmm. which is Matt Cote, who's a, an analyst for 451. Um, he and Matt Ray and a bunch of other kind of cloud, you know, IT luminaries uh, get on the phone. And it is uh, a lot like this show. If we weren't so distracted by privacy and security and just talked about the cloud business, um, mm. that would be what these guys do. It's really good. It's wonderful, very informed guys. And they're also very funny. Uh, so definitely go check it out. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So I've I've got some uh, follow up here, Dave. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, we, you and I enjoy talking about web tracking and all the different ways that uh, people can be tracked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So some dude uh, created a comprehensive catalog of every method of tracking a user's identity online. Nice. Um, and uh, it's uh, over on the uh, Chromium uh, website. Just. It, and it is amazing the number of things he came up with. I mean, this thing, just, you just keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. Um, anyway, the, I, there are a bunch of takeaways from it. I, I suggest that everyone who has, uh, everyone who has like, written JavaScript should should definitely read this because uh, it's definitely a technical article. Uh, but at the end, the takeaway, I thought one of the takeaways was, was really interesting to me. Uh, he says, uh, today, some privacy-conscious users may resort to tweaking multiple settings and mm-hmm. installing a broad range of extensions. Uh, which yes, that's that's actually true. I have a bunch of kind of privacy-enhancing stuff on my browser. Uh, he says, uh, t- together these have the paradoxical effect of facilitating fingerprinting simply by making their browsers considerably more distinctive, no matter where they go. Yep. Yep. That's right. So how about that? Never occurred to me. Um, and now I'm going to go lock myself in a Faraday cage.
1: Yep. Yeah, I, I flipped through that list of, of all these things, and it was just one after another. And I had to turn it off after a while. I'm like, i like, I had to close the page. It's like,
0: oh, get the for yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right.
1: Yeah, it's it's like you want to like gamify it and see how many you know you, you can collect. You know,
0: right, <laughs> right, 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 right. Pokemon for privacy nerds. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So it's a it, it's a cold snap. In the, here in North America Dave I don't know if you've gotten it over where you're at but uh, here in yep. Austin we actually had to I had my wife and I were out in our front yard wrapping up, uh, wrapping up our plants because uh, we were oh, afraid, wow. of the, uh, afraid of the frost it got so cold um, which is unusual for Texas um, I, I, and I was looking into uh, options for uh, heating the house you know maybe like mm-hmm. environmentally friendly options uh, yep. do, you have any, do you have any suggestions for me yeah open stack not where I thought you were going you know that heat it doesn't actually mean heat right
1: like heat template?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, just get a
1: good, uh, like a stack of heat templates in in your basement,
0: right? <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that's Throw not... another heat template on on the fire, right? That's so... how it works,
1: it's... <laughs> right? It might maybe I don't understand this whole cloud thing.
0: No, so you uh, <clears throat> so you found some Germans who have a solution to this problem, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And seriously, um, they're using OpenStack to heat people's houses. Uh, So there's this company called Cloud and Heat where um, what they'll do is like you basically pay them and and they will put uh, a box in your basement or or wherever your furnace is and all that. Fill it up with servers um, and then run OpenStack on them. Um, They will pay the electricity bill and they uh, you will do all the uh, all the computing will happen in your house and then, uh in that little vault, and the heat that is given off uh, would be uh, piped through your house as as a form to heat your house.
0: I have a bunch of questions hmm uh so security right? What's to prevent me from like tapping the line
1: oh it has a lock on the vault you, can... <laughs> uh-huh. you, you can't get into it <laughs> okay. It's probably military-grade encryption, right?
0: Right, right. military-grade. That's that's very impressive. Written by Navy SEALs, right? But like a lot of this is inspired by the data sovereignty rules, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And I, I was like, and I was thinking uh, the whole thing. You know, it's like, well, you got physical access, and it's like, it's oh, it's perfectly secure. And The other part of it too is that when you're running this stuff, people, you know, like you don't know whose house your workload is running in.
0: Right. Like that's a good thing. Or is it a good thing? Do I care?
1: I don't know. I don't, well, it's a cloud. You shouldn't care. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but yeah, it's, yeah, to me it's like, I thought it was interesting and I thought it was a very hardware specific way, uh, to solve this. You know, it's, it seems like a very heavy hardware heavy sort of thing and, and a lot of, atoms that you're moving around uh to achieve this
0: yeah and then um and but then what happens in summer uh do you get to do you get to take that stuff out uh, oh yeah there's a way that you
1: could just uh like pipe it out you know just like blow it out your house so it's it's not heating your house in the summer
0: <laughs> okay okay uh and i guess the last question is did, I, I don't know how this makes any economic sense at all um it's and if, if for no other reason like the the whoever those the cloud and heat guys um they now have a, a strong incentive to generate as much heat as possible which is to say have the least efficient servers they could find right mm-hmm. um it, the, I, it just this i don't know how this makes any sense this is crazy yep. this is although pretty german in terms of like efficiency yeah yeah
1: steampunk world war one sort of thing yeah, yeah exactly
0: exactly yeah germans so david you're, you ever used a browser stack no, what's that? So it's a, it's this, it's very clever. It's this uh, online testing tool. So I build a web app, right? I need to test it in a bunch of browsers and mm-hmm. a bunch of combinations of like browsers, browser configurations and so on. Um, so these guys browser stack, they offer this web service where you point their tools at your website and they will, you know, send you screenshots of all the and tell you about the response times and uh, basically automate all that browser testing for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, pretty pretty clever. Um, if you were a customer of them, you received an email uh, recently announcing that they had been hacked, uh, and then the email goes on to elaborate that, uh, that there was no meaningful security on any of their servers, and even though they said they deleted all your information, they haven't deleted all the information, et cetera, et cetera, and it becomes by the end of the email, you realize that uh, the email had been sent by people who had hacked the browser stack service.
1: <laughs> wow.
0: <laughs> yeah um and so that's that's just utterly humiliating um you know i've seen you know uh, hackers take over the front page of a service um i've seen them you know exfiltrate data uh but actually actively going out and uh trash talking the service provider to all of their customers that is like that is like boss level uh yeah. ruination of the company just just awful
1: Awesome. Oh, you can, yeah. And you can imagine the angry phone calls that, uh, you know, that they would be getting from, like, if they had any big customers, the The response team that has to go in there and with, uh, you know, to, to get yelled at. That's just probably not a fun. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, just terrible. Just terrible. I found this link to a write up on chat ops. So you and I are in, a, in IRC. Uh, and we're chatting away. We're talking about you know football and beer and whatever it is that we talk about. And uh, we need to do a build uh, mm-hmm. of our uh, of our fancy web service. So so what do we do there? What well, well, we got to go flip to another terminal, right? Or go to a web browser and and kick off the build, right? Mm-hmm. And then get the results. And then maybe I have a question about the results for you, Dave. And I go, okay. Well, now I got to copy and paste the results of the build and paste them into the chat window and be like, hey, what do you think about this? Uh, The whole thing's kind of fiddly and tedious, Uh, and when you got engineers who are subjected to something fiddly and tedious, they come up with clever solutions, Uh, Mm -hmm. and so that's chat ops. Um, So, and this goes back a long way, right? So IRC bots um, have been doing this for a while, Uh, but now with like the number of APIs available and the number of uh, kind of software as a service type things, so. You can now kick off jobs through Jenkins uh, mm-hmm. via API, um, you know, GitHub, um, new, you know, monitoring tools like New Relic. Feeding all of that data and all of, an access to all those tools into one chat window makes it, you know, makes it like super efficient to manage a build process or, you know, manage mm-hmm. a, a production system. And so, uh, anyway, it's a really nice write up on this kind of chat ups idea. Um, and I just thought it was like really, really cool. Uh, it made me think almost, a. Uh, it brought this phrase to mind, um, like literate operations, right? Mm-hmm. Where so, somebody said, like, well, what happened? Well, I can now go through the entire chat log, which has a record of everything that happened to the infrastructure and all of the conversations between all the actors involved. Uh, mm-hmm. It just seemed like a really nice... Uh, if nothing else, like a forensic tool, um, but oh, yeah. like, and also like a great way to like catch people up, right? So if somebody was on pager duty and was dealing with the problem, and then three hours later their manager shows up, their manager can just go through three hours of scrolling and see, you know, kind of how the how the resolution is progressing. I just thought it was re- re- really clever. Really, um, there's a, there's a lot to recommend it. So
1: yeah, it, well, it sounds to me like it's a. It almost sounds like you're turning the the IRC channel into uh, a shared shell.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah 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 exactly yep 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 yeah it's it's maybe it's like the uh command line nerd version of screen sharing right um, yeah yeah no that's right I hadn't thought about it like that
1: so what what you need to do is get your uh trello wired in to remember the milk and then do chat ops with it and then trello can talk can schedule stuff through to remember the milk it could chat about it and then solve things and and you could do like a nice closed loop
0: Oh it could yeah, be sentient,
1: yeah. Right? That's right. That's
0: right. Yeah. Eventually, if I if I wire enough services up together to me and to each other, eventually they become self aware. Right. Yeah,
1: yeah, and you won't be needed anymore. <laughs> that's perfect. That's You're exactly, done. That's
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're
1: on an island somewhere.
0: <laughs> that's right. I'm sipping margaritas. My life is going on without me. I love it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and and then you know what I could do is take uh, all these chat logs of all this activity that's going on, and then feed it to Watson. Uh, mm-hmm. And it can tell me what kind of day I'm having. hmm uh, Nice. Yeah, so so uh, it's actually online now. Uh, my my buddy Doug turned me on to this. Uh, you can feed a piece of text into Watson, and it will send back an unbelievably detailed analysis uh, of the text and kind of the attitude and disposition of the person who wrote the text. Um, and so it's not just like happy, sad. I mean, it seems like there are probably like 100 variables that it evaluates the text on. Um, and so we'll include a link to the uh, show notes, but, um, it's a wonderful, uh, wonderful tool, like great analysis, um, and a great visualization, by the way, um, uh, of this, uh, of this kind of user modeling. Um, huh. it just, and the first thing I thought of was like, slap that thing on Salesforce, get that thing in our support tickets, right? So yeah. you, know, you submit a ticket to somebody and you know immediately how smart they are, um, how angry they are, how happy they are. I love it. I love it.
1: Well, have you plugged any of your writings into there to see what it... See if it's I,
0: I will be honest. I'm a little anxious about doing that. I don't know if I need that kind of self awareness. <laughs> I, <like>, I, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna live with the uh, wool over my eyes for for just a little bit longer. Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, well. Speaking of, of self aware computers, um, there's this was a couple of weeks ago, like with the whole Gamergate uh, blow up and and people having strong opinions about it mm-hmm. uh, somebody actually uh, created a, a Twitter bot that would listen for the uh, gamergate uh, hashtag and and then wired in the elijah uh, eliza um AI program from like mm-hmm. the eighties mm-hmm. or I guess nineteen sixties for that matter. Yeah. And then and where it would be like, Oh, tell me more how you feel about this. And you could <laughs> see how the this chatbot is having a conversation with these these people with really strong opinions and having arguments with them and it's like, Well, tell me more about this. Why do you feel <laughs> this way? And and it's like psychoanalyzing these these people that are just really, you know, uh uh, very opinionated, so it's it's a lot of fun. People could check it out. That's fantastic.
0: That's fantastic. I just what I like about that is the is the like the tight closed loop, right? Like just let yeah. these guys burn themselves out on an Eliza on an Eliza simulation. And like... Yeah, yeah, and you could you could yeah
1: you you short circuit it, and people can get all their frustrations out and everything. <laughs> right, right. But what happens when you get like the Elijah bots uh, talking to each other, and you know, and that's, I don't know,
0: I don't know if that's how Skynet will happen or or what. Oh, there is a guy who, who was doing experiments on Twitter with exactly this of like getting two bots to talk to each other um, mm-hmm. and then using that as bait to get other people to join the conversation. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Like get a trending topic. Or yeah. Something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. 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 Right.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. Great. And you thought that cognitive surplus was only limited to humans. <laughs> right.
0: Right. Oh, this would be a great, Dave, this would be a great way to promote uh, to promote Lauren's uh, juggling app. Uh, get, yeah. two, get two Twitter bots talking to them and uh, you know create a little buzz.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, and for Lauren, she doesn't probably need it. She's already got... Um, unless there are Twitter bots at, at Gizmodo and Lifehacker, because um, they, they actually did an article. It was like 16 um, compelling uh, Raspberry Pi projects, and she came in at number 15. So it's like Gizmodo and Lifehacker were blogging about her.
0: Oh, wow. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. Does she get any... Um... Uh, so I mean, it's great to have the recognition. Um, but uh, does she get like free Gizmodos or something uh, when? Yeah, like a whole bag of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, that's and sweet. and a couple of heat templates. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. That's
0: great. Is is there? I wonder if if uh, if the press ever falls off for Lauren, right? If people stop recognizing all the all the great work that she's done. Um, I mean, she's setting the bar incredibly high for herself, right? Um, mm-hmm. Like is she is she worried that you know in two years time or is she, she's she leaves college and she's gonna be like man I peaked when I was sixteen I'll never get that I'll <laughs> yeah. never I'll never get that much press again
1: <laughs> Yeah well I yeah and I, I actually I talked to her about that um, regularly and and we talked about it last night and it's like it you know it, it's like it is what it is and it's like at what point. It's like, well, okay, she did a demo for Steve Wozniak. Where do where do you go from there? And it's like, oh, we got to do next on the list is uh, President Obama. We got to (laughs) call up the Pope. Um, You know, and 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 eventually you're gonna like run out. You know, it's like you're gonna, you know, it's like. And I told her, it's like, don't worry about it. Just be yourself. And and there's no shortage of opportunities. And and even if you don't want to do it, or or whatever, it's like that's fine. You know, it's just like. Just appreciate it when it happens, and uh, when it doesn't happen, that's okay, too.
0: Yeah, totally, totally. Uh, And all that said, I do happen to know that the Pontiff is a huge juggling fan. I'm just saying. I'm just saying.
1: I'm sure, I'm sure.
0: Oh, cool. Um, Let's see. So speaking of press, uh, uh, (laughs) this article at GCN uh, that came out this week uh, about, uh, Dave, did you know that 2014 is the worst year the Annas Horrilo... The I can't even pronounce it. It's Latin. Um, Anis horribilis yeah. uh, for open source in yeah. government. Did you know that?
1: Yeah. Oh, I, I I was reading that, and it's like I I just had a, a, this mental picture this this vein bulging out on your head uh, <laughs> as you're reading it. You know, and you're just hyperventilating or whatever
0: before you even got to the end of it. But uh, but you wrote a rebuttal. I did. I did. I gave myself a timeout, and then. Uh, wrote this rebuttal, uh, which I'm actually pretty proud of. I feel like I did a really good job uh, kind of debugging. And, you know, the article wasn't uh, pointedly anti-open source. It just kind of perpetuated a bunch of just baseless open source myths, um, which is why I felt compelled to to write. Um, and, you know, the irony is that uh, this GCN piece, uh, which was misinformed about how open source works, especially in government, um, was actually bookended uh, by two articles from GCN about how great open source is doing. Um, there was an article the previous week about, uh, the DHS, uh, Coverity scans and, uh, how much, you know, how much improvement the open source community has made on security and things like this. And then shortly after this article was published, your article was published.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. so so... So yours was, yours was about what adopting open source, right?
1: Yeah. So, like, best practices for adopting open source in your agency. So that's stuff like you know using vendor supported codes. So you don't have to roll it yourself. Doing uh, standardizing on a common platform so that you could train people on a on a common system. Um, using things like FIPS certified cryptography so you don't have to do the certification yourself and all, all kind of stuff like that. Um, and uh, got some positive reviews
0: for it. So it was, it was pretty cool. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. that was great. Um, let's see. What else do we want to talk about? Oh, you. Were, so you were playing with uh, Atomic. I have I downloaded it, um, mm-hmm. but have not started playing with Atomic yet. So tell me, what was your experience? Was it? Uh, um, it's a, you know what's funny about Atomic is that. So this is this is Red Hat's um, container host, right? So yep. it's yep. like basically it's our competitor to CoreOS is the shortest way to describe it. It's a it's an operating system that is built for hosting containers on top. Um, and i kind of like downloaded it and then i started looking at it and tinkering around with it a little bit and then i realized like what i needed was containers um Mm -hmm. before i could make this thing useful like i needed Mm -hmm. you know i needed an infrastructure i needed a problem to solve before i could like fully exercise it so but you got a chance to to play with it right
1: yeah yeah so there was uh um you know so the beta came out on tuesday of this week uh and um there were some really good getting started guides, uh, written by, uh, uh, a lot of them were written by Chris Negus, uh, who works for Red Hat. And I don't, uh, in the, in, and it's in the customer portal. So if, if those folks that aren't familiar with Chris Negus, do you remember the uh, Linux Bible? Oh yeah, 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 sure. Yeah. Where, you know, you go to, uh, uh babbages or whatever and they have the big linux books that you know you drop it on your, your foot and you break it sort of thing um he's he's the author one of the authors of the linux bible and and he works for red hat now um still writing the linux bible new editions of it uh but he put his uh talent at uh technical writing into writing some nice documents on how to get started with docker how to get started with atomic and all that and i i went through them and they were they're were so there's the one doc that's there that shows you how to get um, atomic installed, uh, which you know, which is like you said, it's it's to the point where it's like, okay, I got this helicopter now I need to do something with it, right? right, right. And and so um, you could go then through the the, the getting started with Docker um, uh, tutorial. It's it's pretty quick, and you can get some example things up and running right away. And uh, so it's like I started going through I started going through it, and uh, there's one of the examples that was like. Oh well, in order to get this uh, Python-based web server to, to work, uh, the first thing you do in in your container is you disable se Linux, yeah. and then yeah, and I'm like, no, 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 no. I, I, I you know, like, probably if you would have seen me, I would have looked like the the lady in that uh, the flight attendant in the Delta Airline thing with the no smoking, you know. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, yeah, just, not on my disabling se Linux is not allowed, <laughs> right? And and so it's like, I'm like. Do we really need to do that? And I went back and I, I went in and uh, figured out a way to. It's like, well, let's just put it in instead of putting the index.html or whatever in uh, slash opt um, and where where the Apache web service can't or not Apache, but the Python web service can't read it. Let's just put it in var www. And so it's like I I I'm like, well, let's see if that works. And I tried it and it worked. And I gave it back to uh, Chris and like. A little while later, he's like, "Oh, wow, this is great. Um, I'm uh, thanks for helping me out." And he updated the docs, so now the uh, example has SE Linux uh, still turned on. So I'm happy with that.
0: Nice, nice. You're, you're doing the Lord's work, Dave. Keeping yep. SE Linux in the docs. Yeah. Um, so that, it's cool. So it's in beta, right? It's not GA yet.
1: Right. Right. Okay. Yep. So that.
0: Well, I'm. You know. So I'm. I'm I can't wait for. I can't wait for us to start using it internally. Um, it just seems like it would be really handy.
1: Yeah, well, we, uh, uh, have you ever heard of uh, OpenShift Online?
0: OpenShift Online? Why, yes, I have, Dave. Tell me more.
1: Yeah, yeah so that's our hosted edition of OpenShift, and uh, it's been using uh, Atomic in production for a while now.
0: Oh, sweet. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, that's so, it, yeah so every time you make an API call mm-hmm. with uh, OpenShift Online or go to www.openshift.com, um, and uh, it... it uh, or doing like a console request, it, it hits uh, an Atomic and Docker host.
0: Wow, that's cool. Yep. That's wonderful. Um, you know, speaking of OpenShift, uh, OpenShift Enterprise 2.2 just came out.
1: Really? What's, what's, what's new in that?
0: So, I guess the headliners are uh, new cartridges from the JBoss portfolio. So, it's actually shipping with, um, we've got the Fuse cartridge. Mm -hmm. Um, And also the uh, AMQ messaging cartridge uh, are Mm -hmm. shipping as part of the OpenShift Enterprise. So you're starting to see like the portfolio fill out. Um, So, you know, it's not just like a PaaS. We're not just giving you the helicopter. Um, You know, we're actually like giving uh, more pieces of the JBoss infrastructure as part of the the OpenShift Enterprise thing, which is super cool. Um, We've also got uh, better integration with uh, like identity management systems. And also there's now CloudForms integration. Uh, mm. which is real cool. Um, so you can use CloudForms to kind of manage your service catalog, and OpenShift Enterprise can be part of that catalog. Nice. Yeah. Um, so, Dave, have you installed OpenShift yourself?
1: Yes. Yes, I have.
0: It's uh, If you do it by hand, it, it can be a little grueling. Um, I, I'm a huge fan of OpenShift. Uh, mm-hmm. I have installed it myself, um, and I still did not know about this, uh, which is install.openshift.com. Um, you can go in there and install OpenShift in like one line of code.
1: Hmm. Nice.
0: It's perfect. Uh, so anyway, if you're interested in OpenShift and want to take it for a spin, install it yourself. Um, you're one command line away. So install at OpenShift.com. Hmm. Cool. Yep. Uh, oh, Dave, I'm so excited. Uh, it's like Christmas. The new Rel risk report is out.
1: Oh, yeah. I, that's I always enjoy when that when that comes out. Uh excited to get the stats in there. It's one of my favorite ones is uh, 97% of the updates uh, for 42 critical vulnerabilities were available on RHN the same day or the next calendar day that the issues were made public. So good.
0: That's fantastic.
1: So 97%. That's that's pretty awesome. And and so one part of it is that it's 97%. The other part is it we publish it. And then the other thing is that we make the raw data public so people could sift through the numbers themselves and slice and dice it any way they want.
0: Yep, yep. Uh, Mark Cox runs a Crackerjack team over there. Um, he is doing he's doing a wonderful job. Mm-hmm. It's great. So great week, guys. So Dave, you know who else is doing a good job? The Google. The Google. The Google is doing a good job. That's right. Um, and I, you know, Google kind of really feels like you know. Like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory, right? Um, there's not a whole lot of visibility into how they run things, and mm-hmm. they're not famous for working well with partners, right? Um, it's mostly you know just kind of Google's in its own world, um, and kind of periodically spits out these you know these wonderful new products. Um, and so it was really I was struck uh, by this blog post uh, from the Google Cloud platform guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and it actually called red hat out as uh, for our contributions uh for the container work and for uh for the work we're doing on kubernetes
1: yeah yeah I saw that that was that was pretty cool um so cool like like you said it's a lot of times it's just like this stuff just like shows up like think think of things like chrome or um mm-hmm. chrome os or whatever it's just like poof <laughs> here it is and you, it's it just seems like a like a faceless organization and all that um but they they did a really good job talking about how, uh, you know, there's a whole Kubernetes community and it's not just uh, Google driving it.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, so, uh, anyways, they were were very flattering, uh, both with us and with other partners. Um, this may have something to do with the fact that Brian Stevens now works for them. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, Yeah.
1: Or at least wishful thinking. Yeah. 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 That's right. That's right.
0: Yeah.
1: So, so did you ever hear of the, uh, the idiom uh to feed the donkey sponge cake?
0: Uh I can't see that I have Dave. Sounds that sounds vulgar, that, doesn't it? That sounds yeah, that sounds real. That does not sound good. Yeah, that's, it's like <laughs> you, you get into a fight with somebody about that. Yeah, yeah that sounds like a hazing. What yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there there's a link I saw. It's uh Idioms of the world, um, with, with lovely illustrations that accompany each one. And one of the <laughs> ones was uh to feed the donkey sponge cake—it's uh, Portuguese for uh, to give g- good treatment to someone who doesn't need it. Oh, I like that. I like
0: that. Give the feed the donkey sponge cake. I mean, what mm-hmm. I like about that is it kind of communicates that uh, sponge cake holds a special place in Portuguese culture. You See, that's yes. what that communicates to me, right? Because it's not cake. It's not regular cake. Um, it's mm-hmm. not pancakes. It's not cupcakes. It's sponge cake specifically. Yes. Yes. Yep. So, so uh, give me another one. I like this.
1: Yeah. So th- my favorite one of all is uh, uh, "Not my circus, not my monkey,"
0: <laughs> which is now my new catchphrase. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That,
1: that is like awesome. I I I'm like so eager to find
0: opportunities to say that. <laughs> that's great. So, so where, what country is that from? So that's Polish,
1: and and. Mm-hmm. What it uh, means is it's not problem
0: <laughs> it, why is the server down hey not my circus not my monkey <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah it's, it's great it's it's I love it and yeah you gotta wonder it's like at what point does how did that come about you know it's like I, I like I don't know like I can imagine this is like some sort of 1800s Polish guy in a wagon somewhere and it's like it's uh, not my circus, and it's not my monkey. sorry, you know, and then it um, that reminded me of of a uh, friend of the show, Bob St. Clair. He sent me an article um, that he was looking at where um, it's about management time and it's uh, who who's got the monkey. Um, I don't know if you if you've ever seen that it's It's actually from yeah. the November december nineteen seventy four issue of the Harvard Business Review.
0: I I, I'm behind on my, on my hardware business reviews. So, uh, you're probably only up to
1: like the fifties or.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 Apparently, apparently this this flexible manufacturing thing is going to be a big deal, Dave. Uh, also, uh, plastics seem to be really important. Uh, so keep an eye on those. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So one of the, so what, what I found interesting in this article is it, it, you know, obviously for a management review sort of periodical, it, uh, comes from a management perspective of, and this is more for middle managers, where um, you have people that you work for and you have people that work for you. And they talk about different demands on your time uh, that managers have. So you have this time, which is stuff that your manager tells you to do, um, and uh, that you, you really can't disregard it without direct or swift penalty. There's also system imposed time, um, which Requests from your peers and neglecting them will also uh, result in penalties, although not as uh, direct or swift. So the the third one is self-imposed time, and that's broken into two components. You have subordinate imposed time, which is one part of it, which is what your subordinates will have you. um, They will give you work, and off you know, so they basically take work off of their plate and give it to you, or give you problems to solve. And then the other one is discretionary time, which is the things that you wanted to do and that you always wanted to do and the work that you wanted to get done. Um, And then self-imposed time is not subject to a penalty uh, since neither the boss nor your peers um, can discipline the manager for not doing what what the the person wanted to do in uh, in the first place. So the article goes through and it it shows how to um, basically minimize the subordinate imposed time of where um, basically, if you have a subordinate go to you with a problem, instead of you taking it on your plate, problem to solve, it coaches you with ways to help coach the subordinate into solving the problem themselves. And, and they give a bunch of really good examples as far as like instead of like somebody comes to you and you say that, oh, that's an interesting problem. Let me think about that. Um, and, and now the monkey is on your back. As far as like now it's my action to, to sift through it, and I have to follow up and everything, um, mm-hmm. but the other way that they do it is the, another way to turn around and give the monkey back to that person is to say, oh that sounds that sounds pretty interesting. Can you type that up in an email and give me three, um, three ways that you think we should
0: solve this or or uh, whatever Yeah right right A little well, it sounds like uh, jujitsu is what that yeah. sounds like.:
1: Yeah. Yeah. And cause I, I can imagine like, um, I, I think your disposition is very similar to mine where it's like, Oh yeah, I want to help. Let me add it. I can help. But yeah. it's like a couple hours into it on a Friday night or a Saturday, you're wondering like, why am I doing this when somebody else should be doing this? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just because, uh, like I was too eager to please or, um, and so for a lot of times it's, I uh, I you know I think it's helpful to um whenever those opportunities arise uh taking the work from somebody instead is you coach them and empower them to uh, do it on their own and and point them in the right direction.
0: Oh that's great. That's great. That's good advice. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but the the article is pretty good. I I put a link in the show notes with some good rules of of how to manage that and then there's like an afterword by uh Stephen Covey. Uh, so um, it's, I highly in, uh, encourage people to check that out, and, and thanks to Bob Sinclair for passing that along.
0: yeah, uh, yeah, go for the monkeys, stay for the covey that's a... yeah, yeah uh, All right, Dave, what do you say we wrap this up? So
1: if people wanted to see what cat math was all about, or if they wanted to uh, uh, deal with circuses and monkeys and and transfer monkeys from their back to other people's backs, uh, where, where should they go?
0: They need to go to https colon forward slash forward slash dgshow.org D d's in Dave, G as in Gunner, show.org Great.
1: Well, thanks a lot, Gunner. Thanks, everybody.
0: Yeah, thanks, Dave. Thanks, everyone.